if I'm going to have a healthy pregnancy, I really need to actually stop messing around with my body so much. I need to actually nourish my body. If I'm going to grow a human in here, I need to actually be putting love and nourishment into my body without all these crazy rules that I had. And then I had that moment where I was like, well, if I would do that to grow a child, why am I not doing that for my body now? Welcome to Manifestable. I'm your host, Danette May, and each week I will bring you epic guests and live coaching where you can come to receive profound breakthroughs, courage to break old patterns, and live into your soul's purpose. My mission is to remind people of their power and that they have the control to tap into their energy to achieve extraordinary things. Hi, Danette May here, and welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to have you back, and I'm really excited because I'm in New York City during this episode, and I got to sit down with legendary Mel Wells, who's a former actress, soap opera star, and you are not going to believe her story, what she's gone through to where she is today and helping so many people have a better relationship with food. Most of you watching this have sometime in your life, if not right now, have some type of dysfunction with food, whether that's you judging yourself for what you're eating or shaming yourself or even just telling food that's going in your body that it's bad or it's going to make you overweight or not be good for you. And I really want to help people on this mission to really have a beautiful relationship with food because food is medicine. Food is here for your healing. Food awakens your body. And I cannot wait for Mel Wells to drop some truth bombs for all of us so that we can have a better relationship with it so that we can really step into our power as women and men to really know that food can be your avenue for optimal health. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. It's actually really beautiful to be in your presence because I've only watched you from a social media platform, which we tend to do with a lot of people, but to actually be in a presence of someone who you've watched and, and to feel even more of a depth is really quite beautiful. So I'm so excited to get into all of who you are and I'm just to feel your warmth. It's amazing. Thank so you. thanks for being here. I feel the exact same way. I followed you and we have so many mutual friends and I've followed your journey recently. And yeah, it's amazing to actually meet you in person and be around you because you're even better in real life. <laughs> yeah. And you can't usually always say that. Not always, yeah. not always. Yeah. Um, so I want to, what we do here on this show is because Mel and I have kind of a similar journey. I'm hearing, I'm going to mm -hmm. find out what this journey is. And she's really on this mission for self-love for women around the mm -hmm. world. So I want to dive in. What was that refiner's fire moment for you that really got you to this deep, like, this is my mission. This is mm -hmm. why I want to do this. Wow. Okay. So first and foremost, before I keep even kind of came into the self-help industry, it was not like what I wanted to do. I didn't kind of grow up thinking I want to help loads of women. Yep. I grew up wanting to be an actress and I am still an actress, but like that was my first passion. And I, you know, was very competitive. Um, I was a perfectionist and I got into the acting world. I actually got a TV role on a soap opera and was on a soap opera in the UK for two years. And so kind of was thrown into that industry at quite a young age. I went on when I was 18 and was there till I was 21. 
And myself being already high perfectionism, very competitive woman. It was also around the time of remember when like there was size zero trends and it was like really kind of almost like glamorized and glorified to be as thin as possible and Mm -hmm. it was I was really really impressionable late teens when that was happening and as an actress or wannabe actress I got completely sucked into that world I started dieting with my friends like the cool thing to do it was the cool thing to do we were skipping lunches together we were like over-exercising, missing meals, going on crazy liquid diets. And because I was so hyper-competitive, I had to go all in. And what started out as like, maybe we should cut carbs, maybe we should try and lose a few pounds, turned into like a full-blown eating disorder for me. I became anorexic in college. And then when I got the role on the soap opera, it flung the other way and it became extreme binge eating, which turned into bulimia, which turned into addiction to diet pills, addiction to laxatives, addiction to throwing up, addiction to exercise. Wow. Um, yeah. So I really hit it at all angles and was a, I was an extreme undereater and I was an extreme overeater and really battled with food for so many years. And the first kind of big wake up call for me was losing my dad to cancer very fast. And before that happened, I had always looked at food as like a game to play. Like what's the lowest calories that I can get away with? I was drinking a lot of Diet Coke. Like I said, having fat burners, low sugar this, zero calorie that, like all just terrible, like not healthy food. Just like it was all about numbers for me. And when my dad passed away, I started researching loads about cancer, discovered all about the plant-based way of living, (laughs) <laughs> became a very preachy vegan because um, <laughs> you go all in. Went all in exactly <laughs> went all in like became super vegan then went raw did all the juice cleanses and uh you know was really ham on that yeah. um for a while and that's what kind of got me into health coaching because I was like yes. I'm gonna help the world go vegan this is my mission and kind of didn't realize that me doing that was just another way for me to express an eating disorder so I developed a different type of eating disorder wow. Wow. through orthorexia and just being extreme vegan, raw, gluten-free, everything free, juicing all the time. Do you ever hear this, people? <laughs> like this like idea of health being quite yeah. extreme because mm. now it's like unhealthy extreme to mm. like almost a healthy extreme, which is just, yeah, could be just as addictive. Completely. And I was kind of spent a lot of time in denial thinking that now I'm super healthy. Yeah. But the whole time I was still obsessing about weight loss. Mm. I was still obsessing about like the scales. You know, it still wasn't a healthy relationship with food. and I still didn't love myself, which I didn't realize was the key. Now, part of that story that I've not told yet is that I got married very young. I got married when I was 21. found myself in this marriage with this man who I loved, but ultimately we were completely different. Like if we met now in person, it would be like, we don't even have anything to talk about, right? Um, but I kind of, we kind of threw ourselves into this marriage. I didn't even know myself at the time. Wow. So I obviously had an extremely destructive relationship with myself, got into this relationship where I really felt like he rescued me in a lot of ways, which is a part of the story. It is relevant because, uh, you know, this marriage was kind of falling apart and deteriorating. And instead of trying to, you know, heal it in, you know, healthier ways, I said, well, maybe we need to start trying for a baby. (laughs) Maybe that will fix Fix it. it. Maybe that's the next thing. So um, we started having these discussions about trying. And 
I went up to the, we kind of decided, yes, let's start trying. I went up to the bathroom and I had this like moment where I literally felt like God was speaking to me. And I looked in the mirror at my body and I thought, right, wow, we're going to really go for this pregnancy thing then. And I looked at my body and I just thought the very first thing that came into my head with pregnancy was, okay, so how am I going to manage my weight during pregnancy? Am I going to binge for nine months and then go on an extreme diet as soon as I've had the baby? Am I going to have a vegan pregnancy? How am I going to get back into my genes? And that was the first thing that came into my head. And I was like, this is so not the kind of mom that I want to be. And I thought to myself, if I'm going to have a healthy pregnancy, I really need to actually stop messing around with my body so much. I need to actually nourish my body. If I'm going to grow a human in here, I need to actually be putting love and nourishment into my body without all these crazy rules that I had. And then I had that moment where I was like, well, if I would do that to grow a child, why am I not doing that for my body now? Why can I not do that for myself? And that was when I had that moment where I kind of heard this voice say to me, you are not ready to be a mother. You have to learn how to love yourself before you can learn to love another baby, another wow. human. And so that was the moment for me where my the vision for me, because I'm I, we didn't have a baby, my self-love journey that I went on led me to such incredible places that we ended up getting a divorce, which was the most incredible thing and so meant to be for both of us. But it was that moment of realization that led me on a self-love journey. I threw away my scales. I literally threw out every single rule I started really questioning my entire belief system around food and I started sharing my journey online. I started, I came out for the first time and said, I've really, I've had this eating disorder for so long and I need to talk about it. Wow. And uh, this was in 2013 when I think people weren't really being vulnerable online. It was quite a new thing to speak about. Started sharing my journey and, you know. This was 2013. Yeah. So you had your breakdown 2012 or... 2012 was when I lost my dad. 2013 was when I quit like my eating disorder. You were like, this is my journey. journey. Yeah. Take notes. (laughs) There's a time with that stuff. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And since then I've not, it's, you know, 2019 now and I've not stepped on the scales for six years. Mm. I've not ever been on a diet since. I've never measured, counted any of that stuff. Literally just chucked it all out and went on a journey of healing my relationship with food, learning to love my body and myself again, Mm. because that was so, that was, I had such a low self-esteem. And as I was sharing my journey, I realized, wow, lots of people really want this. You know, they lots of it. women really relate to this. So I started sharing my story, started helping people before I knew it. That was like my health coaching practice that I thought I'd built to help the world go vegan was actually to help women transform their relationship with food. Yeah. And then books and retreats and everything since since then wow so it started in 2013 Mm. this is really quite fascinating and one thing you mentioned which I do think we're going to get into a little bit more is this idea of vulnerability Mm. because I've been on this research quest of this correlation between vulnerability and self-love and so I want to hear from you what does that mean for you when I say vulnerability to self-love I've kind of learned because I've been vulnerable to the point where it doesn't actually feel good. Okay. So I've like kind of pushed that and gone into oversharing. And then I felt like, (gasps) 
Oh, that actually like, doesn't feel loving for me to share that. That oh, it so it's too like, much. Yeah. So I. Ooh, I we're gonna get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's vulnerability that feels like I love myself enough to share this side of me or this part of me. I'm not gonna hide it anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I'm not gonna hide it anymore. This is who I am. I'm gonna reveal this aspect of myself that I've been hiding. But then you know, there's also you can kind of push vulnerability into oversharing, which actually feels like self-shaming, I think, sometimes. Ooh, um, this is like, juicy. Yeah, and then that's like, that's not self-love. And I think we know what feels loving towards ourselves and what doesn't. It's all about that intention. Just like with exercise, you can do the same workout from a place of hate and fear and punishment for my body, or you can do the exact same workout because I love my body and yeah. this feels amazing and yeah. I'm going to celebrate my body the same workout but completely different intention going into it and it changes everything so what do you say because I talk a lot about vulnerability hangover because I get this quite a bit Mm. and I don't actually think I overshared so where's this correlation I don't actually I came from a good place it came Mm. from a good intention Mm. it felt right in the Mm. moment and then it's like four hours later in the silent of the night I'll get yeah. like these this fear of did I share too much mm. not remembering what I said mm-hmm. feeling like I laid my heart out but not yeah. knowing if it was too much and also just oh was it understood the way I really meant mm. do you ever get that I do yeah and I think you always kind of get I don't want to say validation but kind of confirmation in the way that it's received through the messages that you get and I think when you share something that Mm. is really vulnerable and you know quite revealing if you're then getting people say thank you so much that's helped me so much then you know that you weren't just kind of sharing it to air things you know it would actually help people to do that and certainly like I've shared things about my divorce and you know so much in my books about my eating disorder that is that was like pretty graphic stuff and people have said thank god someone understands me someone gets it because I felt so ashamed of kind of speaking about the way that I I mean I the stuff that I used to do with food oh my god like disgusting like I mean eating out of bins like just addiction it's an addiction, addiction. you know and just like drug addicts you know, have just horrible behaviors around drugs. It's the same with food. But I think a lot of people have crazy addictive patterns around food, but we're not treating it in the same way as we treat drug addiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is the same. In fact, it's a lot harder to break a food addiction because we have to be in a relationship with food. food Yeah, you can't be like, oh, I'm just not going into the bar. I'm not going to hang out with those friends. You're like, everyone eats all the time. Yeah, (laughs) you can't go sober from food. So it's like a relationship that you have to cultivate, nurture and cultivate. Yeah. Mm, Okay, so I want to ask if someone's listening and on this journey, because ultimately this is a healing journey from Mm -hmm. addiction and it doesn't matter what what the addiction is. So let's talk in the language of food for now. What would be that first step that you took on that journey? So for me, my first step was to actually get really aware of what I was most addicted to and what I was most coping with. And for me, I was addicted to fitness apps, like tracking apps to track Mm -hmm. calories. And I was addicted to the scales. And I went cold turkey from both of those things. I deleted. Done. I deleted. I got them out because I knew that I really believe that like the things that we most the place that the things that we don't want to give up are the things that we most need to give up, right? Mm -hmm. So So find the thing that you're like, nope, not that one. I'll go here. Yeah. 
and then That's go about this. <laughs> people that okay. are like watching this that are like stepping on the scales every single morning or tracking every single piece of food through an app and they're thinking um I'm sure I can do this but still keep my app or I'm sure I can do this and still weigh myself every day no like you have to be really honest with yourself like where you are really like what your coping mechanisms are and what you're like dependent on and relying on and addicted to and you've got to be really honest with that and be willing to surrender it are you ready to call it a deep spicy (laughs) loving relationship maybe you're single and ready to mingle or maybe you're in a committed relationship that has just lost its flame regardless of where you're at listen up because I have the perfect tool for you Here's the deal. I believe in giving away free things. I believe that when I give, I get that everything has energy. So what I'm going to be doing for you, and I've done this for my high level coaching clients, I'm going to give it to you now. And it's absolutely free. And it's called attract the love you desire. And it's a visualization. You have to understand that everything you desire lies within your subconscious and rewiring your subconscious through visualization is the key to creating this in your life. You may have heard of this. Maybe you haven't. It's not all that woo. There is a lot of science backed behind this, but what you got to do is actually do it. You got to rewire that subconscious mind and you do it through listening to visualizations. This is what I've done to literally change my whole life. I feel like this is going to help so many people and I want to help you out because you are a listener to the podcast. You're on my YouTube. You deserve this. So it all it takes is just a few minutes every day. That's right, a few minutes a day. And I'll walk you through how to call in the deep, loving relationship that you desire. So just go to DanetteLove.com. That's true. That's it. Danette, D-A-N-E-T-T-E-L-O-V-E.com and download it for free. And it's going to go right into your inbox or right onto your phone. So you can listen to it, whether you're walking, laying down, meditating, you're just going to put in your email and then it's going to go right into your inbox. This is literally going to help you from better sex to deeper love to finding your soulmate. This visualization will lead the way. It's time to open yourself up to more fulfilling love life. Go to DanetteLove.com. That's right. D-A-N-E-T-T-E-L-O-V.com. I'm with you, girl. I see you. I feel you. We all deserve this. And I can't wait for you to see how visualization is going to impact your life. Did you have to do some healing around where this stemmed from? Like, where did my connection to food and controlling food and controlling Mm. my life around food come from and go Mm. there and heal that or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did you do that? What did you do? Completely. Well, it's just kind of retracing all of the, like, way back into your childhood to, like, all of your patterns around your body like when were you first aware made aware of your body okay I'm gonna back up so mm. you just said like you got to remember you got to go back in time so someone listening is going to be like do I sit on lay on a couch (laughs) do I just take a day to do this like how where did you how did you go back how did you find that root source so I think first and foremost if you are on this journey what you are most concerned with right now is like how do I function in the present day so let's I think you want to start with like looking at your patterns and habits in the present day. For example, I notice that every time I'm stressed, I turn to chocolate. Okay. Or for example, every time I'm alone in the house, I want to order, I want to binge or something. So you want to look at those habits and patterns and go, when did I first experience this? Where does this come from? Where did I first oh. kind of experience this? Where did I learn this? And if you can then t- use that to kind of go, okay, well, I did that actually when my parents first broke up. I remember like I'd be really healthy at my mum's house. And then when I would go to my dad's house, I would binge or, you know, whatever it is. Or I used to go around to my nan's house and have just like gorging on chocolate together. And 
oftentimes that's what it is. It's like emotional attachments to food from our childhood when that actually represent love, mm-hmm. you know? So we associate, we attach food with love, love. or connection or Absolutely. loneliness or sadness. I mean, a lot of us grew up going to McDonald's and the emotional marketing there is like Happy Meal, you know, make yourself happy by getting a McDonald's. (sighs) So all these kind of things that we had no idea was happening to us through like our emotional attachments to food. But I think it is really important that we are healing this in the present. So you can look back and go through into your past and dig deep and understand where these come from. But what's really going to help you is learning some tools that are going to help you in the present. Okay. Um, So if you can understand, for example, that you associate chocolate with love, then you can go, okay, I figured out that when I'm really hungry for chocolate all the time, what I think I'm craving is loads of chocolate. What I'm actually craving is love. love, What can I do to give myself love right now? Exactly. exactly. Wow. So the mac and cheese Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you're eating, because that would be mine. You're really going, where am I not giving myself love and pleasure? Where am I not giving myself something Mm. that's creating this craving? Mm. And then do you have like a list of stuff that you're like, okay, this is my list of love. Yeah, exactly. And then I'll just go get myself that instead. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I I think for us, all to cultivate a self-love practice and like like you said like a list of kind of go-to things that make us feel love you know that feel like us giving love to ourselves is so so important and when we diet and when we kind of go on restrictive eating plans we can lose a lot of the pleasure from food yes so I'm like big on like I want you to eat the mac and cheese I want you to have the chocolate right because it's it's pleasurable experience and I think women have lost touch with their pleasure yes thank you thank you thank you it's very it's again all about intention right if you are scoffing down this mac and cheese and it feels like stress and like fear and I've got to get rid of it and stuffing it down and numbing everything out and making it feel full down here yeah exactly but you can eat the same mac and cheese in a loving intentional way totally sit it down you can light a candle you can bless your food you can eat slowly you can enjoy it and then you can feel like oh that was so nourishing but same mac and cheese you wolf it down you scoff it down you're gonna feel like terrible afterwards yeah it's all about the intention what are your thoughts on intention with food before it enters the body like Mm -hmm. do you have any any studies or any beliefs on what happens on a molecular structure to that food when you set an intention Mm -hmm. or you look at it lovingly before you Mm -hmm. put it in your body well there was the study with water molecules yeah yeah totally when you we do know this yeah yeah so like when like i mean like how much of water is in food right right that's doing that to food if that's doing that to water, it must be doing it to food. And it right. must be doing it when we when we say it to our own bodies because we are made up of 75% water, water right? right. So, and it actually yeah. works on food too. So they did the study on like a water molecule, but mm. then there's been study on grains of rice and mm. all different kinds of studies, plants, different living items. And it actually does the exact same thing. If you say negative things to a grain of rice, mm. it will actually start molding versus the grain mm. of rice that you're saying positive yeah. to, or even just ignoring. Yeah. So it's, Completely. it's powerful. And I mean, for me, when I, like, I kind of know this as well, like from personal experience, when I was really struggling with an eating disorder, I would eat food in so much fear and so much hatred for the food and for myself that I would gain weight so fast. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I can eat the the exact same food with love, with respect for myself 
and it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't, I don't gain weight from it, right? I think this is really powerful to note because Mm. not a lot of people are talking about this. She already did the experiment on herself Mm. and it's, she literally eat the same amount, Mm -hmm. just the intention, the energy behind it made all Mm. the difference. Yeah. And I think as well, like it's important to note again, I have no rules around food. I have no diets. I don't restrict anything. I eat everything now. I'm not vegan. I've not been vegan for a long time. You're not anything, right? I'm not anything, right? Right. I eat whatever I want, but I have a good relationship with food. I don't eat past the point of full. Yeah. And I don't starve myself. I have a good relationship with exercise again. And I'm the same size, you know? Yeah. Nothing's, you know. The body's quite intelligent. We don't give it the credit it deserves because Mm. it's actually quite intelligent. So I'm going to back up. You basically said there's an awareness first Mm. of what are the touch points in the current present moment of your life. Mm. Remove those touch points. They're usually the ones that you're like, oh, no, 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 not that one. This one. (laughs) This swimming magazine. Yes. I think social media as well. Social media. Like, If you're only following like before and afters, diet like if that's all you're seeing then you know that's what you're going to become you want to be following people that actually inspire you to have healthy a healthy relationship with yourself Mm, self-love holistic healing and try and get away from all the numbers because it can be so addictive totally and then you said you basically remember like what is that trigger where did that trigger actually come from like sit Mm. back and go back okay where was this love relationship with that and usually Mm. it's with your childhood usually it's like this feeling of love or I didn't receive this or there was a traumatic Mm. experience so going back to that is there another step after you've gone back Mm. to that space another side of that is control so a lot of disordered relationships with food stem from not being able to control an aspect of your life or feeling out of control and then Food is the easiest thing for us to control. Mm. We think I can control food or I can control my body and then I will feel in control. So just recognize where you're trying to control your life through food. I think that can be really interesting. And another part of that is on the flip side, you might not be someone that's been very controlling with food. You might be someone that's just very emotionally led and all of your emotions, you're not knowing how to deal with your emotions. Mm -hmm. So you're turning to food. So if you are not someone that's had a disordered relationship with food in terms of like restriction and control, but you are someone that's an uh, emotional eater, then the, the next step for you is to like really start to get in touch with what those emotions are. Mm. What am I feeling before I enter the fridge? What am I feeling when I'm on my way to the shop? You know, because we just go into like zombie mode. And before we know it, we've scoffed something and we have no idea how we got there. You know, so there's a lot of people that fit into more the camp of just emotional eaters. And it's just because they are emotional beings and they're not dealing with their Mm. emotions. They're not accessing their emotions and really allowing themselves to feel they're pushing down with food instead. So for those people, if that is you, that is about really trying to dig deep and understand what am I feeling? Mm. Where does this come from? Can we name the feeling? Because a lot of the time we think that we just feel fat and it's not a feeling. What is it really? What are you really feeling in that moment? And then again, like, where does that feeling come from? Why? Like, if you're feeling frustrated, why? Like, is it something that happened at work? Is it something that you know, someone let you down earlier today. What is the reason before you turn to food? And if you can heal that, you don't need to then eat, yes. you know, if you can heal that situation. Wow. You know. So good. Mm. So good. So what does Mel do 
for some healing practices in her daily life now. Because mm. you're on this new path, but the healing never stops. Right. There's always more healing to be done always, yeah. or there's just ways to keep yourself balanced. Yeah. What are, what are your, some of your daily practices? Well, in terms of food, I've been, you know, successfully healed from my eating disorder for six years, five, five or six years now. And I think there's a lot of talk around food and eating disorders that basically says you will never fully heal. And I think that's total BS. I think you do absolutely heal. But like you said, the healing journey never stops. And I think the key to transforming our relationship with food is to transform our relationship with ourselves. Yes. So same relationship with food, relationship with drink, relationship with other people, relationship with anything all comes down to the one we have with ourselves. So self-love practices. So what are those for you? So for me, anything, I do a lot of things for myself out of love. So I do, I make sure that everything that I do is because I love it. Like I don't do things that I don't enjoy. Wow. I I love. So you say no, Um, if something comes into your space and you're mm -hmm. like, I know that that would maybe give me ROI or that would be good to do. But it doesn't feel yeah, like it's the, yeah, like it doesn't feel yeah. pleasurable to me. So you say no. Yeah, it's not just about the pleasure, but it's about like, does it feel loving for me to do that? Is wow. my future self going to thank me for that, or is it some like? Does it make me feel like oh, um, wow, that's good. You know, uh, exercise. I only do exercise that I really love. I eat all the foods that I love. I big on journaling. I really love journaling because I think that's just such a great way to be in conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. I talk a lot in with my audience about self-pleasure which I think is another really important practice for women that isn't talked about enough but our relationship with our bodies and our relationship with food are obviously very linked and oftentimes I've found from women that I work with if you have a negative relationship with food it's often parallel to how you feel about sex Ooh, whoa that's deep and juicy Mm. So you're, this is where we're finding this. There's a correlation mm, with mm. food and destructive behaviors of food and yeah, then also with sex. it's a rejection of pleasure, not being able to receive pleasure. And it's uh, obviously about how we feel about our bodies as well. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of correlation there. And I think another key point of that is it's like a rejection of the feminine. Because when we grow up around kind of the age of teen years is when we first get introduced to sex but it's also when we first get introduced to how our bodies are appearing and Mm -hmm. diets and kind Mm -hmm. of we learn that it's all kind of at the same time yeah right and so I think a lot of women around that age are discard like kind of rejecting the their feminine energy so a lot of this work for me at least has been reconnecting with intuition our bodies sensuality So good. Mm. So something I know about Mel is she lived in Bali. And I do want to figure out what, if you could say two things that Bali taught you, because Mm. not that everybody's going to go off to Bali. And I hope you guys understand, like, for me, this is about bringing these rituals that we learn from these lands. It's not about necessarily having to go to the lands. Mm. So what were the things that you feel like the land of Bali taught you that you bring with Mm. you today, with you in London? Gosh, okay, so the first thing that's come up for me is that you are your biggest teacher and you are the oracle. I think, you know, you go to somewhere like Bali, there's a million different healers for a million different things and you meet a lot of people that are getting constant readings and healings and I've got to see this person and I've got to go to this ceremony and I've got to... (laughs) It's all like the answers are out there somewhere and what Bali really taught me was like, 
all the answers are in you and you know you can have all these readings and stuff but it's just going to give you confirmation you don't want to get reliant on doing that and I think that's a kind of a really important message for anyone in personal growth in this spiritual world is that no guru has more answers than you exactly and I think a lot of the time what we really need is to just trust ourselves and trust our own knowing because a lot of the time we do know the answers we're just scared of them and we want someone else to tell us them instead yeah totally so So that was one and then do you have another one definitely that your environment plays such a key component in your health you know how how you feel in relation to your environment is so important if you are around nature you know there was actually a study done I hope I get this right uh this is in my second book so I better get this right on addiction with rats and they put a rat in a cage with two bottles of water and one bottle was just normal water one bottle of water was laced with cocaine and every single time the rat would choose the bottle of cocaine get addicted to the cocaine and eventually die And a doctor called Dr. Bruce Alexander kind of took this and said, okay, well, the rat is alone in a cage. It's got nothing else to do. Of course it would take the drugs because rats are social creatures like humans. So he was like, okay, I'm going to build this amazing rat haven. I'm going to put loads of rats in there. They're going to have rat games, amazing rat food. They're going to have all these kind of crazy cool things that rats can do together. And it's going to be haven. And then he put the exact same two bottles of water in there, one that was laced with cocaine. And the rats completely rejected the drugs and just stayed happy and chose the water. Really? Yeah. And then they tested it again and basically took completely addicted rats from the solitary cage into the rat park cave and they got completely sober. Wow, I've never heard of this study. That's wild. Yeah, so that kind of really like showed that our cage, like if we're not happy in our cage, we're much more vulnerable to to getting addicted to something. Wow, so if the cage that we're living in is making us unhappy, making us isolated, making us feel disconnected, we're far more likely to choose the drugs or the food for a lot of people. So how happy is your cage making you? Mm. And that cage can be the people that you surround yourself with. It can be your home environment. It can be the country that you live in. If that is not giving you the best chance at optimum, optimal health, it's likely that it's actually making you more likely to reach for the wine or reach mm. for the food or reach for the drugs. Wow, that's so mm. powerful. So I do want to say, like, if you are like, oh, man, my cage, my cage, this is crazy. Yeah. Maybe start with, if you can't just move right away, like, mm. clean up some of the friends. Mm. Clean up your home. Put it's some okay. candles in there. Yeah. De-junk. Get rid of yeah. things that don't that don't spark joy yeah. in your own home. Exactly. Start there and see if you can shift your environment mm. by staying. And then if you feel yeah. so called and that it's, no, it's deeper. I've got to get yeah. into a whole new environment. Go for it. You can do so a beautiful. lot to shift your energy by just moving furniture around and getting rid of a lot of stuff. Totally. You know, I've done that. Has thing. anybody done that? Yeah. Tidying, the, the magic art of tidying yeah. up? Totally yeah. did it. Felt so good. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing to talk to you. And so I always ask, I want to ask, like, if you could share one message to the one person or the million that's watching, mm. what would that one message be? A hundred percent, it would be, the relationship you have with yourself is the most important relationship you will ever be in. It is the one that you are in for your entire life. So please, please, please work on nurturing that relationship because how that relationship is will determine the quality of the rest of your life. Wow. 
Everything that she talks about, even her books are going to be linked in the show notes. Mm -hmm. I'm sending you all so much love. We're all doing this together. We all are on this journey to ultimate health and happiness and freedom. Thank you so much for being with us. People are constantly asking me how I continue to look younger as I get older. (laughs) There are many tools that have kept me youthful, like superfoods, moving my body, hydration, belief, doing meditation. But a big one that I don't really talk about a lot is using non-toxic beauty products. I can't stress this enough. Imagine if you put toxicity on your skin, you are going to age quicker. And so many people are doing that in their face wash, in their skincare routine, which is just crazy to me. But this is why I love Anne-Marie Skincare, because their products are made safe certified, which means they are free of toxins, heavy metals, carcinogens, pesticides, and other harmful chemicals. They are also completely cruelty-free and are constantly improving their products and methods to become more sustainable. So one of the things that I really like is their body oils, (laughs) their lotions, and their face serums. It's so luxurious and it feels so good on my skin and it smells amazing. And right now, Amorous Skincare is gifting the Manifestable podcast listeners 15% off your order site-wide when you use the code MANIFESTABLE at checkout. Go to AnneMarieSkincare.com. So I'm going to spell Anne-Marie for you. A-N-N- Marie, M-A-R-I-E, skincare.com and use the code manifestable at checkout to receive 15% off your order. That's amazing. And I have to tell you, they have all sorts of yummy products. So go shop and see what you can find because I have a feeling you're going to love it. Now, let's get back to the show. <laughs> 